Ozark Highlands Radio is brought to you by the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas, a wonderful way to enjoy yesterday. On the web at OzarkFolkCenter.com. <laughs> Greetings, folks. This is Dave Smith, host of Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome to our show. This week, we'll be hearing music and interviews with Smithsonian Folkways recording artists and award-winning Boston, Massachusetts progressive folk trio, Lula Wiles, recorded live right here at the Ozark Folk Center State Park. In our From the Vault segment, my buddy Mark Jones offers an archival recording of Ozark original fiddler Roger Fountain performing the traditional tune St. Anne's Reel. On top of that, author, folklorist, and songwriter Charlie Sandage asks the question, what's worth keeping from our past in the rapidly evolving culture of our present? That's this week on Ozark Highlands Radio. Lula Wiles is a Boston-based progressive folk trio consisting of Issa Burke, Eleanor Buckland, and Mally Abomsawin. The band came of age in Boston in the practice rooms of Berklee College of Music and the city's lively roots scene. Their blending of instrumental virtuosity, intricate three-part harmony singing, and visionary songwriting has quickly ushered them to the forefront of modern American contemporary folk music. We'll start out this week's show with a few of their original songs.
So one of the songs that we're really excited about playing is a song that primarily I wrote, but with musical and lyrical, really bring it together of these two gals and also my sister. It's called Hometown. And we all three in the band grew up in a rural place in two towns in Maine, Farmington, Maine and South Berwick, Maine. And I sort of lovingly refer to it and jokingly refer to it as like my love song to rural Maine. And it speaks, I think, to the challenges that people face in rural places, especially with intense rural poverty. And the song, I think for me, it was all, it was trying to like put, give a voice to that story and that struggle and the people. Yeah. So specifically yeah. with the song Hometown, I think that like my bottom line with like the inspiration I had to write that song was to like breed and foster understanding um, and, and just like encourage that. Mama, I need to come home I've been starving myself to the bone I've been up all night crying I've been drinking all alone Mama, I need to come home Daddy, I've been doing bad things Yeah, I know they ain't no good for me I've been kissing and telling I've been stealing Daddy, I've been doing bad
One of the things that has come out of Boston in the last 10, 15, maybe 20 years is this trend of string bands who are playing non-traditional music in, in a traditional kind of context. And that's kind of what we do too, but there's especially like bands like Crooked Still, they were they were a Boston band. Um, they really started that. In yeah, and they were playing traditional material. Like we're, we play some traditional songs, but mostly our own songs. But that I think is a big part of what people think of when they think of the Boston music scene. Definitely. The other thing I was going to say, also, I think that because there's Berkeley College of Music, but also New England Conservatory, one of the things that could be like the sound of maybe the college kids that happens is young hotshot players, it's like Ultra Grass, this Daryl Anger, Matt Glazer. Um, right. So I do think that like when we go to festivals around the country and we say like, oh, we're from Boston, I do think people have this association of like, oh yeah, it's a really serious music scene, like highly skilled players. It's Independence Day and I'm alone. Trying not to pick up the phone And call you just to ask how you've been sleeping I know it's hard on the road There's fireworks in the field outside of town
it getting saturated? Is it hard to get your head above the noise there? I think depending on what you do, it can sometimes feel that way. I know that, um, like, I, I really like old-time music, and there is not a ton of old-time music in Boston, but I think if you're playing bluegrass, there there can be more of that. Certainly at Berkeley, there's a lot of jazz. Right. And so I think, yeah, de depending on sort of which circles you're running in, I think it can sometimes feel that way. But also, I guess the other the other side of that coin is that one of the great things about the Boston music scene is that there's so many different kinds of music happening. It's not just one thing. Like at Berkeley, you can really study absolutely any kind of music that you want. So I think that that's very cool. And it lends itself to a lot of bands who are creating really unique sounds. So I think I've always felt like we were able to sort of carve out a a niche for ourselves that was we were part of a community but weren't doing exactly what everybody else was doing and a lot of other bands are kind of that way too like they each put their own spin on whatever combination of bluegrass and jazz and pop and rock uh they've managed to <laughs> fuse together <laughs> It's the sun and the wind and the feeling on my skin. 
three original songs from the Boston, Massachusetts female trio, Lula Wiles. In that set, we heard Hometown, followed by Mama, Independence Day, and Traveling On. Stick around, because after this break, I'm going down to the vault to ask Mark Jones about one of the best dance fiddlers in the Ozarks. You're listening to Ozark Highlands Radio. Welcome back to Ozark Highlands Radio. It's time for another visit to my good pal, Mark Jones, down in the vault. Let's go down there and see him right now. Hey, Dave, I'm glad you come down to see me. Well, it's always good to see you, Mark. You're looking pretty good. Well, I I don't know if I'm pretty, but I'm doing okay. (laughs) Hey, you know, there's been a tune going through my head the last couple of days, the St. Anne's Reel. Oh, that's a beautiful tune. It is. I wonder if you got a copy of that down here somewhere. I do. Uh, Run across it just a while ago. Uh, Let me look for it. Yeah, this is uh, uh, Roger Fountain, who's a good old-time fiddle player and works here at the Folk Center, still working here at the Folk Center. He's playing St. Anne's Reel. Yeah, Roger and I started here the same year. About seemed like about 100 years ago we started <laughs> playing here. Uh, he's a fine dance fiddler and just a great guy. He also works in our Music Roots program here in Stone County, teaching fiddle to young students in school. It's, he does a great job of it. He does. He's, he's done quite a job with all the young fiddlers that's around here. And I'm mighty proud to play this for you because he's just a good guy and a good musician. Let's hear the St. Anne's Reel. Thank you. 
Boy, that Roger, he's a, he's a dance fiddler, isn't he? Oh, he sure is. He whoops up on it. I think he learned a lot from Tommy Jackson, because you can hear a lot of Tommy Jackson's fiddling in Roger's style. That's kind of how it works. You you adopt the style of the guy you listen to the most. I think so, Dave. Uh, I know he's a real big fan of Tommy Jackson. And uh, he and my mom used to pull, they were both fans of Tommy Jackson. Uh-huh. Well, look, thanks a lot, Mark, and I'll see you again next week. All right. Long before they were a band together, the members of Lula Wiles were singing folk songs and trading fiddle tunes at a music camp in Maine. On those warm summer nights, playing music was just plain fun. But the members of Lula Wiles carry those early lessons of community and meaning of shared art with them to this day, as they seek to create music that questions cultural virtues, soothes aching wounds, and envisions a better world. really um, exposed to this. In the last couple of years, I started going down to Savannah, Georgia, because there's a music camp. It's called the Acoustic Music Seminar, and it brings a lot of Berkeley cats, ultra grass folks, right? Mm. But it also brings people that, you know, maybe are in a lot more traditional scenes, like in the South, that we might not have heard of. So going to this camp, which is created sort of for people my age, our age, right? Like early 20s or late teens. And the trend that I observed was that people from like say Arkansas or Eastern Tennessee or whatever, it seemed more authentic and it was, you know, because they weren't learning this stuff in school. They were learning it at home and, you know, at their jams in the park, yeah, right? From their and granddad. Exactly. Yeah. And at Berkeley, like a lot of the kids come to the coast from the other coast and are studying music in a more in- intellectual way. And I think that feeds the, the polished observation. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. When sometimes I think what people 
people think that they sh are supposed to make their music sound really yeah. polished, and then what people end up responding to exactly. is the, the grittier sounding kind of stuff. And right. I think and sometimes the best groove is less polished in yeah. other ways. That's why two thirds of the band dropped out of Berkeley. Yeah. <laughs> Moral of the story. Yeah. Most days I wake when the sunshine crawls into my bed. Fit as a fiddle when the world wakes up, taking a drink from a golden cup. Most days I'm looking on the bright side of an open door. Swing your partner and do see -si do. My feet keep telling me to go, go, go. Cross my heart. that a lot of the harmony singing that we do in our band does come from like bluegrass traditional singing or, or um, kind of American country folk singing comes mm -hmm. from that. So that's sort of the three-part vibe. But yeah. I think also we sort of have, yeah, we're aware of those two boxes, right? The, yeah. Like, what, what is established, right? Mm -hmm. And then the like two-part or like more creative harmonies. And I think we're really, mm -hmm. especially at this stage in our band life, trying to experiment with those a lot more and sort mm -hmm. of like blend the boxes or you know. And specifically like the pop harmony singing vibe or the indie rock styles or just these like sort of harmonies that we'll write. Yeah, it's um, just not that traditional bluegrass thing, which is also great, but you know, want to have more more tools in our harmony singing yeah. toolbox. 
I think we're all three like super inspired by trying to be creative with our harmony mm-hmm. singing. Because like you said, it's sort of a calling card. And I think we would even say that ourselves. Like, sure. I, think- I mean, it was one of the things that inspired us to start the band was just how much we like singing together. What will we do if we have no money? Oh, true lovers, what will we do then? Only hauled through the town for a hungry crown. And will yodel it over again? What will we do if we marry? Being from Maine, we did a lot of singing that was of like that was like northern ballads and all these different songs. Like shape note singing. Shape note singing, oh, really? which is in New England, yeah. and also sea shanties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and we grew up going to this camp called Maine Fiddle Camp, where a lot of people there are really interested in preserving or or kind of like um, celebrating the traditional music of Maine, which was you know kind of a hodgepodge melting pot. But there are a lot of folks there who are like collecting sea shanties from like the coast old, of Maine. Logging. But yeah, we, we grew up singing a lot of those songs like at Maine Fiddle Camp around the campfire, just like a cappella with a group of like 30 people. And then like the singing tradition there, at least like in the way that we experienced it, I think was like having like 30 people just kind of like singing whatever. And <laughs> yeah. you're, you're maybe never heard the song. And so you're just kind of mumbling through it or like singing sort of drones to try to find the chords. And I feel like that, I mean, it, it's impossible for it not to have influenced us because we 
it was, it was stuff we were doing years. musically when we were you know coming into our own I think as musicians so More good songs from this week's featured artist, the folk trio Lula Wiles. The ladies started that set with a song written by Hazel Dickens called Won't You Come and Sing for Me. Then they played three of their originals, Don't Ask Why, What Will We Do, and Wide River. We're going to take another short break now. When we come back, this week's guest host, Charlie Sandage, will ask the question, what's worth keeping? This is Ozark Highlands Radio.
Welcome back to Ozark Highlands Radio. My friend Charlie Sandage has worn a lot of different hats. History teacher, debate coach, television producer, songwriter, CIA hitman. Well, not that. I just wanted to see if you were listening. This week, he continues his series on an important question that we should all ask. Here's Charlie. Those who forged what the Ozark Folk Center celebrates as the traditional Ozark culture lived in a much more intimate relationship with their natural environment than most of us do these days. Richard Mason, who has a weekly column in Arkansas's most widely circulated newspaper, recalls how his own such relationship began and how it helped him become one of Arkansas's most visible environmentalists. By profession, he's a geologist who once worked for Exxon and now has his own oil and gas exploration services company. He seemed an odd fit for membership on the state's Pollution Control and Ecology Commission when then-Governor Bill Clinton appointed him in 1986. I told the environmentalists in Little Rock, I said, now, they weren't happy with me at all because an oil man's not supposed to be an environmentalist, but you can be a, a, an oil man and you can do environmentally clean things in the oil and gas business. And I told him, I said, give me a year. And if you're not satisfied with me on this commission, I will resign. And they grudgingly said, okay. With Mason as a member and then as chair, the commission found itself in a number of well-publicized confrontations. As soon as I got on that committee, a landfill was proposed on the Buffalo River watershed. Well, all environmentalists were opposed to that, and I was, since I was on the commission, I led the, the fight. And Governor Clinton uh, was very influential on that. He opposed that also. And we won that battle, and there is no landfill on the Buffalo River right now. The Buffalo River, the first stream in the U.S. designated as a national scenic river, runs through the heart of the Boston Range of the Arkansas Ozarks. As we spoke, it was back in the news because of a dispute over a permit for an industrial-sized hog farm near a creek that feeds into the buffalo. And in his weekly column, Mason is still speaking his environmentalist mind. So how did an oil and gas developer become an outspoken environmentalist? You know, Charlie, I, I think back on my life and some of the things that really shined for me were the time I spent in the woods. When I was eight years old, our family moved to a little 20-acre farm about a mile south of the little oil field town of Norfolk and South Arkansas. And we bordered our little 20-acre farm on Flat Creek Swamp. Well, I immediately became a, a great fan of going out in the swamp. And uh, at first I was fishing and actually fished for crawfish in a little spring. And the longer I spent in the woods, the more I appreciated really being there. Uh, really, uh, I can look back on it. That's where I got my roots of environmentalism. Richard recounted finding pre-pottery Native American artifacts that archaeologists told him dated back beyond the historical Caddo Nation that once dominated that part of Arkansas, possibly back to a thousand years ago. And then... As I got a little older, I started appreciating the, the, the physical life I was around, and that had to do with the buildings that, that I was, what I would see. And, and really, as, as I tried to 
lived my life back in El Dorado after I became mature, uh, I realized that I had developed a sense of restoration of buildings. I have, re my wife and I have restored a number of downtown buildings. And one of the big regrets I hear people say is we let that building be taken down. And, I, and I, they took down the old El Dorado High School building. And now even the people that took that building down regret it. It's one of the things about preservation and keeping what's worth is, is, is I see so many people saying, well, there was an old house here, but we tore it down 10 years ago. And so I, if people would pick up anything I have to say is preserve, preserve and enhance. After a few years of working in places like Mexico and Saudi Arabia, Mason wound up back home often reflecting on how we might slow down or even reverse what once seemed like an endless pattern of loss. Well, when I, I really look at the environmental situation today, and I look at it as a quality of life issue, you know, if we look backwards and we see what we've lost, uh, we surely don't want to go forward losing more. Uh, we've lost most of the old-growth timber, our, uh, our, our wetlands have been reduced by 90%. Uh, species after species have been eliminated. Uh, we have absolutely destroyed a huge amount of our environment. Now, we can't go backwards, but we can go forward with a plan, and it can be in a city, in a town, in, a, in, in the countryside, but we can, we can start adding back instead of taking away. We have made a lot of progress. You know, I hear people saying, oh, things are so bad and this and that, but we have to look at the bright spots too. I can remember as a boy growing up in the South Arkansas oil fields, the oil companies produced oil there in the smackover field, but they also produce a huge amount of salt water. And that just, that's just the way it is. That salt water at that point in time, back in the early 50s, late 40s, was just dumped into the streams. Well, a lot of streams in South Arkansas. And those streams full of salt water created a barren salt flat there that was just, during the summer you could walk and it would crunch under your feet. Every living thing in the spring, in the stream, and in the foliage alone for 50 yards on each side was dead, just totally dead. Well, we did make some progress. The Arkansas Oil and Gas Commission mandated that that salt water could never be poured out in the stream again. It had to be pumped back into the ground as a safety cut. Well, Arkansas is really blessed with rain. Mother Nature, after 15 or 20 years, has gone in. Those streams are full of fish. It's green instead of brown and black from oil. And so we can do that, and we have made a huge amount of progress in some ways. With Richard Mason, it's a combination of eyes, wide open realism, and the pursuit of possibilities. He speaks as a geologist about human accelerated global warming and melting ice caps, as well as about how most of the nations of the world pursue the Paris Climate Accords, even as the U.S. walks away from them. It strikes me that Richard has much in common with those who created that Ozark traditional culture I spoke of at the beginning of this piece. They saw the realities of living in a challenging terrain without easy access to urban marketplaces 
but they valued the possibilities that came with such an environment. One of those early settler families looking around at this landscape today would no doubt deplore the loss of once seemingly endless white oak stands that were sacrificed to the country's early 20th century rush toward industrialization. But they would, as they did 150 years ago, take this place as it is and learn how to live their best possible lives here. Realism, adaptability, ability to see possibilities and resolve. Then, as now, traits worth keeping. Thanks, Charlie. Let's finish up this week's show with a couple more songs from the talented young trio from Boston, Lula Wiles. They got their band name, by the way, from a folk trio from long ago, the Carter family, who recorded a song called Lula Walls back in 1928. Here's Lula Wiles with their song, Good Old American Values. Best. 
dressed in costumes But by the end of the day There's a fortune to be made On those good old American values There's a fortune to We made the record and then we're shopping it to a few different labels. And so we were very excited when, when Folkways showed interest. But I think my only hesitation was just that I didn't really want us to be kind of pigeonholed as only a folk band um, mm -hmm. because you know you've you've heard you've heard our songs and they're not they're not just folk they're influenced by pop and rock and other kinds of things and so my worry was that people would see like okay Lula Wiles on Smithsonian Folkways and then they would listen to it and be like this isn't folk music and yeah. we're like well we're not trying to be traditional folk music right. but you're on Smithsonian Folkways like I was a little worried oh, about yeah. that happening but I think um, Folkways is is doing really cool things right now. They're putting out uh, newer artists like Anna and Elizabeth and, and Kaya Cater. So that's kind of what they're interested in right now is like people who have deep roots in the folk world but are innovating with that. And so, I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge honor that they considered what we are doing kind of worthy of adding to that canon and representing what they think, you know, is going on in folk music. Like. Yeah.
you so much, everyone. We're Lula Wiles. Good night. A couple more good songs from three talented young ladies from the state of Maine, Lula Wiles. After Good Old American Values, they finished this week's show with Love Gone Wrong. Thanks for listening to our show. Tune in next week for more good music from the Ozark Folk Center State Park in Mountain View, Arkansas, the folk music capital of the world. For Ozark Highlands Radio, I'm Dave Smith. Bye, everybody. Ozark Highlands Radio is produced by Jeff Glover. Executive producer is Darren Dorton. Additional support for this program comes from the Committee of 100, proudly supporting the Ozark Folk Center State Park since 1974. Arkansas State Parks, with 52 unique reasons to visit the natural state. On the web at ArkansasStateParks.com. And by Stone Bank, with deep roots in Mountain View and a deep respect for those who preserve our heritage. More information about what it means to bank Boulder is at StoneBank.com. For information on upcoming shows and events, we are on the web at OzarkHighlandsRadio.com. Until next time, I'm Donna Farrar.